Take your copy of God's Word this morning to be opening to Romans chapter 12, and we'll be there, and we'll also be in several other places. I want to encourage you, if you maybe you want to take out a care card there and make some notes uh, for the references, you can do that. And while you're finding Romans chapter 12, I want to uh, share with you, perhaps you heard the, the story of a frustrated young man who went to his pastor, and this young man was overweight. And he was really struggling because no matter what he did, he could not get a date. Uh, he just couldn't get a girl to agree to go out with him. Well, the pastor listened to him very sympathetically and, and uh, said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to help you. He says, I want you to be ready. I want you to be dressed tomorrow morning and uh, be ready. And so this young man went home that night, got, got a good night's rest, got up the next day, assuming that his pastor was going to be coming to have him do some exercises. So he got up and he got some exercise gear on and he got his tennis shoes laced up. And he waited there and all of a sudden a knock came to the door. And he opened the door expecting to see his pastor. And lo and behold, there was a beautiful young lady. I mean, she was a real knockout. And she was standing there and she was dressed in jogging gear. And she looked at him and she said this. Pastor said to tell you, if you catch me, you can marry me. And she took off running. <laughs> and he was stunned, this, this, this uh, young man. But all of a sudden he took off and he's huffing and puffing, carrying that big old load of weight. And he got a block or two and he just gave out. And he watched her just kind of disappear over the horizon. Well, he was disappointed. And he went through his day. And next morning, all of a sudden, he heard a knock at his door. He opened the door and there she's standing again. And she says, Pastor said to tell you, if you catch me, you can marry me. She took off running. Well, he took off running after her again. And the third day it happened again. And the fourth day it happened again. The fifth day it happened again. He was getting closer and closer and closer and closer. And week after week, he's getting in better shape. He's getting closer. And one day he almost caught her. Almost. And he knew the next day was the day, the day that was going to lead to a wedding day. Well, he got up early. He's excited. He gets his running gear on. He gets his, his shoes laced up. And he is waiting, anticipating the knock at the door. And the knock comes. And he whips that door open. And all of a sudden... He's kind of stunned because standing in front of her, in front of him, is a big old girl. I mean, she's overweight. She needs to lose a bunch of weight. And she says, Pastor said to tell you, if I catch you, I can marry you. <laughs> now, listen, being overweight is no fun. It's not fun. It affects your life. I've never heard a young person say, when I grow up, I want to be obese. Never heard that. Being overweight is not popular. Being overweight is not fun. But sad to say, being overweight has become very common. Even normal, especially among Christians. Listen, Southern Baptists, we're not immune to this. In 2007, SBC Life ran an article entitled Obesity in the Body of Christ. And they shared how the Centers for Disease Control talked about the number one health threat to Americans is obesity and the fact that the church is not immune. In fact, a study they mentioned in that article said this, and I quote, Baptists, listen, Baptists, including Southern Baptists, have the distinction of being the most overweight religious group in the study, end quote. Now, aren't you proud of that? Out of everybody, Southern Baptist, the Baptist group is the biggest of all. We may not be growing in other ways, but we're certainly growing in some ways. And you know what? That study is confirmed because each year at the Southern Baptist Convention, Guidestone, they put on health clinics and they shared in this article 
that at the 2005 convention, more than 75 percent of the 1,472 participants that completed the screening were found to be significantly overweight. And when they compared this to the national estimate, the national estimate is only 65 percent for the SBC, our Southern Baptist, us. We came in at 75 percent. Now, listen, today is not about condemning overweight people. Most overweight people, most obese people have plenty of condemnation already. My goal in this message is to take God's word and see what God says about our bodies. My goal today is to call gluttony what it is. It's sin. To call for repentance, to call for a change of lifestyle. I want to help all of us. Now, as you can plainly see, I have in my life struggled for all of my life with weight issues. There are many sins you can hide. Listen, you can look at pornography in the back bedroom of your house in the dark and maybe nobody else around you sees that. You can take and do all kinds of things in secret. But listen, gluttony is pretty hard to hide. You carry it around with you. The evidence is before you. And so I'm not done. Let me change this out. I'm not done. I have made progress. And I want to share with you. At my highest weight, this is years ago in my first pastor, we came out of college. And in college, I grew in many areas in my knowledge and in other areas as well. I hit an all time high of three hundred and twenty six pounds. I didn't keep any evidence of that back then, except of my belt. This is my belt from back then. And I keep this as a reminder because I can go along there and I can feel the grooves of where it used to be and where I lost there and where I lost there. Well, the Lord helped me and and through different things, I, I reached 280 at that time and I was feeling much, much better. And then over the years, I slowly began to put that back on. And for those who are newer to the church and those who maybe have only come recently, you may not realize that I used to be a lot bigger than I am now. Um, And so I've worked on that. When I came here, I was around 302 pounds. And uh, I kept. I gave away most of my suits because I undergrew them all. Praise the Lord. But I did keep one. I kept my favorite suit. And this is it. We have a photograph of me in this suit. At Easter, I think it was right after we came to the church. This was my favorite suit, gray with a blue pinstripe. Of course, that's what I'm wearing today, too. But I kept this suit as a reminder. And by the way, I'm not done. I'm not done by any stretch of the imagination. And I want you to pray for him. But I want to help you. I want to put on this suit coat today. This, this was my favorite. This was custom fit to me. I went and they tailored this suit to me. And I praise God today. As I put on this suit, I want you to see the difference. Since I came here as your pastor, I mean, I'm going to keep this. We're going to go camping one day. Probably we need a tent. We're going to take this, take my belt and we're going to do that. But I want you to understand something. I understand what it is. All of my life, I've been overweight. We used to shop when I was growing up in the Husky section. Do they still call it that? The Husky section. Isn't that a nice term? Come on. So we're going to the Husky section to get your clothes. I don't know what to call the girls. But anyway, I want to help you today. Now, this morning, you might be saying, where are you now? Now, I want you to tell you, you lose a little bit of weight and and it makes a big difference. This morning, the scale didn't read what I wanted it to read, but this morning I was 260. And I tell you all that to say all to the glory of God. Only by God's grace and God's help can I stand before you today and say, listen, this is a spiritual battle. Yes, it's physical, but it's a spiritual battle. 
You've got to understand that God wants our bodies to be used for his glory. Now, some of you are thinking today, well, this message is just for the porkers, so I could just tune out. Uh, let me say on behalf of fat people everywhere, to those of you who are skinny, we love you. We can't stand you, but we love you. Those of you who just, you know, you can eat anything and whatever and you never gain an ounce. We love you. We really do. But listen, honestly, you can be skinny as a rail and still be unhealthy. Maybe your addiction today is not food. Maybe you struggle with other harmful things in your body. Maybe you like to, to uh, fill your body with nicotine. Maybe you like to, to puff on cigarettes or fill your jaws with all kinds of chewing things. Or maybe you're really into alcohol. Now, listen, you can be as skinny as a rail, but instead of digging your grave with a fork and spoon like those of us who are overweight, you're slowly digging your grave with a cigarette or an alcohol bottle or whatever. Just because you're skinny or you're thin does not mean you're healthy. It does not mean you're honoring God with your body. Now, listen, today's biblical principles apply to everybody, no matter what size you are, no matter what your health is. Now, that being said, let's lay down our forks and spoons and let's pick up the word of God. And I want you to look there in Romans chapter 12. And I want to talk to you and me today about our bodies, about our bodies. And I warned you that I was going to do this and you still came. And so I commend you for that. And I want you, if you haven't already noticed, as you're finding Romans 12, to, to notice that your body is deteriorating. You're slowly dying. Now, that's some encouraging news, isn't it? All of us are every day. Every breath brings us closer to the grave. We're only in these bodies for a little while. And then we're going to step out into eternity. And I want to ask you today, friend, are you prepared to step out into eternity? Do you realize that you're a sinner who needs a savior? Do you realize the Lord Jesus Christ died on a old rugged cross, shed his blood, was buried and rose again that you might have life? Being a church member doesn't save you. Being a Baptist doesn't save you. Being good doesn't save you. Only Jesus Christ saves. And he will save you today if you call out to him. Have you done that? Are you ready? Do you realize that it's appointed to man once to die, but after this, the judgment? If you've never trusted Christ, trust him today. Let us take a Bible. Let us share the gospel with you. Let us sit down and answer your questions and show you how you can have eternal life. That's first. Now, as we have that settled in our hearts and lives, for those who know Christ... Focus with me for a few minutes on your fitness. And I want to give you several things. So buckle up. We're going to go quickly and talk about a lot of things. We're going to put them all under two main headings. The first one is this. Are you ready? Surrender your body. Look at Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Notice that. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. that You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You and I must surrender our bodies to the Lord. There to be a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice to God. Now, some might be thinking, why is that? I mean, if I have Jesus Christ as my savior, he has me for all eternity. Why does he want my body? Friend, cover your mouth. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're speaking. He wants our bodies. He wants to use our bodies for his glory. He wants them to be a living sacrifice to him. Several things I want you to note under that. First of all, you were created by God and for God. You were created by God and for God. Write this reference down. Colossians 1.16. 
For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, everything you see around you, including every person and yourself. And listen to the last part of that verse. All things were created through him and for him. You were created by God. Don't buy that garbage you climbed up out of some kind of slimy pit in the jungle somewhere. Are you morphed out of a fish? God created you. God gave you life. God gave you strength. God gave you that body. And you're created by God and you're created for God. Now, he didn't have to create us. You ever think about that? He was totally complete within himself, the Trinity. Enjoyed perfect fellowship and harmony within themselves. But he decided to create us. He decided to create you. And he did that for his honor and his glory. He has in mind your best. And his glory. You were created by God and for God. And secondly, Christian, you were bought by God and are owned by God. You are bought by God and are owned by God. First Corinthians 620. Listen, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, because of that, glorify God. Listen, in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, listen. Christian salvation is free. But it did not come cheap. It cost God's only begotten son his life, his precious blood upon that cross. He purchased us with his own blood. He purchased us with the greatest price that's ever been paid and ever will be paid. His own blood. The sinless, perfect Lamb of God laid down his life on that cross willingly to give us life. We might say, Christian, that we're twice his. Why? Because we're his by creation and we're his by redemption. He created us and he bought us. We are not our own. Mark it down big and bold. Christian, we belong to God. You belong to God. And so we understand we're to surrender our bodies. Why? Because we're created by God and for God. We were bought by God or God's own. He belongs. We belong to him. But thirdly, you're also the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Mark this down. First Corinthians six nineteen, a great verse of scripture. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? Now, think about this. That's an awesome thing. Every child of God here today, every child of God in the world has indwelling within them. God, the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't become God. But we. Are a temple in which God the Holy Spirit indwells. In preparation for this message, I ran across an article in the Southern Baptist Texan. And here's what it said, and I quote A t shirt seen on a rotund man said, If my body is the temple of God, I must be a megachurch. <laughs> that would be really funny what's the saying. We abuse our bodies. We take the temple of God, the Holy Spirit dwelling us, and we do things that do not bring honor and glory to God. Now, we often think of this building as God's house. And I understand what we mean when we say that. This is the church building that we've set aside for worship and for the honor and glory of God. But listen, this, this is not where God resides. God, the Holy Spirit's in you. God, the Holy Spirit's in me. We would never think of abusing this building, would we? We would be just a flabbergasted if somebody suggested that we do that. And by the way, let me just say for a moment, we want to be good stewards. We want to take care of what God has given us. We want to take care of our facilities. But listen, these buildings here 
are to be used to reach men and women, boys and girls for Christ and disciple them. They're not a museum. They're not a shrine. Let's be good stewards of them. Let's take care of them. Let's do what we can to maintain them. But listen, let's wear them out for Jesus Christ. And when they wear out, let's redo them again and do it again and again and again. Okay, let's keep that in mind. These are here to bring people to Christ, to disciple them and see them grow in the ministers. We would never think of abusing this building. We have guidelines and things we don't want you to do. You know, you know, don't lay up on the piano. Don't don't just spill drinks on the organ, that kind of thing. Why? Because we want to maintain what God has given us here. But listen, we care about the building. What about our bodies? The temple of the Holy Spirit. We abuse our bodies. We damage our bodies. Now listen, all disease and all sickness is not caused by neglect and abuse. But there is a lot that is. There is a lot that we bring upon ourselves. I understand a church who uh, was really growing. They ran out of parking space, but thankfully they were located right next to a store that was closed on Sunday. And a church member asked the, the person who owned the store if they could borrow their, their parking lot for overflow parking. And, and the store owner said, that's no problem. You can have it. He said, it will, you can use it 51 weeks out of the year, but on the 52nd week, it will be chained off. And so the church member was you know, very grateful and, and, and said, well, we appreciate that, but I'm just curious. He said, what happens on the 52nd week? And the store owner said, nothing. I just want you to remember that it's not your parking lot. As I thought about that, I wonder sometimes if sickness maybe comes in our life because God wants to remind us that, hey, you are not your own. I own you. I bought you. You belong to me. And I want you to honor me with your body. Surrender your body. Give it to God. Dedicate your life to him. Secondly, you ready? Sustain your body. Sustain your body. First Corinthians 1031, one of my favorite verses. You hear me say it often. Therefore, whether you eat or drink. Or whatever you do, do all how to the glory of God. First Thessalonians 4, 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. While our bodies belong to God, he's entrusted their care to us. We're really just stewards or managers like we talked about. when We covered finances and possessions. They belong to him, but he's given us the responsibility to care for them, to maintain them, to sustain them with his help. And he says, listen, I want you to eat and drink for my glory. I want you to do all these things to my glory. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Philippians. Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's amazing when you start reading God's word with an eye towards our bodies. How many times God talks about our bodies? Listen, we only get one. We only get one. Now, here's where I want to get really practical. Now, as we give you these practical helps, we don't want to go overboard. We don't worship our body. There are people who worship their bodies. I mean, they spend time and money, like incredible amounts of time and money and effort to get the perfect body, if you will. We're not here to worship our bodies. We want to be healthy. And fit and usable for God's glory. And listen, some people's use of their bodies can be different than others. For instance, those in a wheelchair, those missing limbs, those who are mentally impaired, 
They're going to glorify God in their bodies probably a lot differently than I'm going to glorify God in my body in many ways. They have limitations and so forth. So understand, I'm not talking about being a perfect specimen here today. We're never going to reach that till we get our new body. Praise be to God. But listen, there are several things we can do to sustain our bodies. And I want to give these to you. And I wish we had time to fully develop them all, but we don't have time. But I'm going to give them to you and you take them today. Number one, this is important when accept your body as a gift from God. Accept your body as a gift from God. So many people need to take this step. They're so preoccupied with what they do not like about themselves. They wish their nose was smaller or bigger. Their hair was blonde or brunette. That they were taller or shorter or whatever. Listen, God made you and God doesn't make any mistakes. And some people here today, you need to accept your body as a gift from God and say, God, thank you for giving me my body. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to serve you in this flesh. So accept your body as a gift from God. Number two. Now, before I give you two and three, let me say this. These apply to everybody, but these next two really are applicable to those who are overweight. Uh, if you want to lose weight, if you want to get healthier, listen, I'm going to give you the magic formula. Eat less and exercise more. You can order any diet plan you want to, any piece of opportunity you want to. Listen, you have to put less food in your mouth and burn more calories. That's the secret. And I want to encourage you and understand it's a lifestyle change. It's not a 10-day thing or a 10-week thing. You have to learn how to exercise and move your body and so forth. And maybe you need to join our group. We're starting a group. And some of you need to sign up. The deadline is tomorrow. The Losing to Live group. And you can join with other people that want to battle this and be encouraged in it. We're not going to condemn you. We're going to help you and encourage you. And understand this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. Not just a physical one. So these next two are very applicable. Listen. Number two, eat in moderation. And let me ask you a question. Do you, do you live to eat? Or do you eat to live? There's a world of difference in that. Do you live to eat or do you eat to live? Perhaps if you're honest, you follow Miss Piggy's philosophy on eating. Remember Miss Piggy, the, the puppet? You know what she says? Her philosophy is this. Never eat more than you can lift. Never eat more than you can lift. Listen, gluttony is still a sin. It's accepted in the church. Sad to say, but it's still a sin. Now, listen, we can enjoy food and I do and you do. Food is a great gift from God, but we should enjoy it in moderation. We should eat and drink to the glory of God. I'm not going to tell you never to enjoy a slice of cake or donut or anything. But we're to eat in moderation. We're to eat wisely. We should incorporate less junk and more fresh food. We live in a land of highly processed food and God has given us food. And the closer we can get to the way he made it, the better. Go back and read the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel wasn't going to defile himself in regards to his faith or his diet. And he was going to eat vegetables and water. So eat in moderation too. And I'm going to say it this way. Move your body. Move your body. Now, I could have said exercise, but when I say that, some people, all they can picture is a, a treadmill or a gym membership or being beaten into submission by a trainer. So I didn't say exercise. I said move your body. Some of you might move your body out in the garden. I mean, you're pushing, hoeing, chopping. Some of you might do it push mowing the grass. Not, not this way, but this way. Some of you might do it out chopping wood and on and on and on. The fact is you're moving your body. Think about Jesus. He grew up in a carpenter shop. Guess what? They didn't have band saws. They didn't have table saws. 
They had their hands and they had this and so forth. Think about Jesus. He walked everywhere he went. That's really how he exercised. He did it as a part of his normal life. Someone figured out, and I don't know if this is right or not, but it was interesting nonetheless that Jesus walked at least 21,000 plus miles during his life. Why? Because he walked everywhere. He walked everywhere. You can't do anything else. If you can walk, start walking. Just take a walk and it'll clear your mind and help you in so many ways. And it ties up number three, or number four rather. So you've got um, accept your body as a gift from God, eat in moderation, move your body. Number four, less stress and more rest. Less stress and more rest. Identify the stressors in your life and try to reduce them. Exercise, uh, moving your body will help you do that. And then more rest. I'm going to get real convicted real quick here on my own show. We're supposed to rest. We should rest each night. Or if you work the night shift, you'd have to rest during the day. But we're to rest each 24-hour time. We should rest weekly. We should take time off, a day off. And we should rest yearly. We should vacate the premises and be gone and refresh and rejuvenate. Number five, practice Good hygiene. Amen. <laughs> Listen, they make soap, deodorant, and toothpaste for a reason. Use it. Take care of your body. Don't be an offense. It's hard to witness to people if you can't even get close to them or they can't get close to you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now, let me tell you about dial soap, you know. Uh, practice good hygiene. Number six. Dress Modestly. Listen, when it comes to your wardrobe, sexy should not be a word that describes it. Talking about the body. This fits. Now, ladies, in the bedroom of your husband, that's great. Wonderful. You ought to do that. But out in public, it should not be the case. First Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also, the women should adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Listen, modesty is not about looking like you're wearing a garbage bag around. You can still be fashionable and look nice, but be modest. Michael Hyatt is the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers. He's the father of five daughters. He is uh, no way near a legalist. He says that he's a, a very he's not a very good legalist and, and he's not into that at all. But he, he shared on his blog about uh, modesty and he gave these to his daughters. And I thought they were great. And he said these are four guidelines for modesty. And this applies to all of us. And here's the four guidelines. If you have trouble getting into it or out of it, it's probably not modest. <laughs> what do you think about that? Number two. If you have to be careful when you sit down or bend over, it's probably not modest. Number three, if people look at any part of your body before looking at your face, you're probably not modest. And number four, if you can see your most private body parts or an outline of those parts under the fabric. It is probably not modest. Listen, those are good guidelines. Those are good guidelines. Moms and dads, you need to help your children. You need to help your daughters to understand modesty. Yeah, modesty matters. God says that we're to dress modestly. What happens? Some people lose weight and they begin to show off that loss in ways that do not honor God. I think it might be better to keep on the weight. Being real practical here. You're mad. Sorry. Number seven. 
This goes right with it. Number seven, maintain purity. It goes right with the last one. Maintain purity. Listen to Galatians 5, 16. We're almost done. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. First Thessalonians 4, 4. And that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. I'm sure we could go on and on. Um, so many things we could talk about that harm our bodies. You probably heard the young man who once said this. I don't dip or chew or go with girls who do. Uh, I mean that. There's so many things that you can talk about here, and I leave them between you and the Lordship of Christ. Now, we created, we created a page on our website, the church website, redhillbaptist.org, and it says, focus on your fitness. And you can go there, and I, I put that article from the SBC Life on there, put a link there. I put some books that you want to follow up. And I put a sign up that you want to join us for our losing lift. But I think we could sum up everything that we've said this morning by reading these verses again. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you know or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own for you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, and your spirit, which are God's. Let me say this. John MacArthur, the great Bible teacher, said he had a friend who went and visited one of the great cathedrals in New York City. And when he came to the shrine of St. Joseph, there was a there was a sign hanging around St. Joseph's neck. And the sign had written on it these words, do not worship here, this shrine is out of order. And John MacArthur said, his friend said to himself, I wonder if there aren't many days when that sign should be hanging around my neck. Don't expect to see Christ here. This shrine is out of order. Now I want to ask you, Christian, is your body, is your shrine in order today? I'm on a journey God helping me. Maybe you need to get on that same journey. Say, listen, I'm going to use my body because it's really God's body for God's honor and God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you and thank you today for your blessings in our life. We thank you for this time and your word. Now, Father, I pray during this invitation, as we sing, if someone here needs to come to Christ, they'll do that today. If someone today needs to come and lay down some things that are dishonoring to you that they're doing with their body, I pray today they'd come and confess those things and forsake them. Father, this is not an easy step for so many. Maybe some today are struggling even with accepting their bodies as a gift from you. I pray today they'll see just how gracious and good you are and how your will is perfect. Bless this invitation, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning. And, of course, this is closing out the message, and we'll continue on with our service following this. But it's number 607, Something for Thee. And the altar's open today. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. Come down. If you need to come and surrender some things, come down. Come get on the altar. Realize just how important your body is. He wants to use 607. That's Candy saying, Something for Thee.
praise the Lord. It's a joy to be in God's house with God's people this morning. And uh, I think he was directing a lot of that sermon to me. But uh, Usually when I go to order some clothes, I ask for the hog section. But uh, we won't get into that. Maestro, if you don't mind, please. I enjoy trying to worship what God gave me talent to do. And this morning, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary, and I believe whatever the cost, and when time has surrendered and is no more I'll still cling to the old rugged cross I believe that this life with its great mysteries surely someday will come to an end. Oh, but faith will conquer the darkness and death and will lead me at last to my I believe that the Christ who was slain on the cross has the power to change lives today. Oh, He changed me completely. mine that is why by the cross I will stay for I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary for I believe what paid for yours and my redemption. Jesus said it is finished. The lady said that she was going home after work. I pulled the car into the garage. 
leave the engine running, pull the garage door down, and then sit back and go to sleep and never wake up again. Lithra's Bartholomew was a lady from Brazelton, Georgia. She thought she had everything. She had a wonderful home, good husband, nice job, nice clothes. The downside in her life was a son that was addicted to cocaine and alcohol. This distressed her to the point she had fallen into depression. Each day, she thought of something she was going to do. This morning, she thought that she got up and getting ready for work. This is the day I'm going to end it all. So she went to work. She worked in a clothing store in a big, large hotel in Georgia. And to make things worse that morning, there was nobody in the hotel. Nobody to come by to frequent, to talk, or to just make conversation, or to buy anything. This distressed her even more. She cried out to God. She admitted she had never read the Bible, didn't know Jesus Christ, didn't attend church. She thought she had everything. She cried out to God that morning. She said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this. I can't make it any longer like this. I've got to have help. She said across the aisle from the clothing store in the hotel was a, a desk. And on that desk was a Gideon Bible that had been placed there. She went over and picked it up, sat down, because there was no one in the hotel that day. She had plenty of time to read. She started at the beginning. And then she moved on over into the New Testament, and there she found, came face to face with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. She accepted Jesus Christ that afternoon because the Gideon Bible was placed there. Somebody through the Gideon Card Program, and that's what is funded by the Gideon Cards, is the hotel and motel Bibles. These cards in your rack downstairs. In the in memory, the thinking of you, the in recognition of, we also have other cards now. And we encourage you to use that because one soul like Miss Bartholomew was saved because she picked up a Gideon Bible that was placed in a hotel. We go into the schools and the colleges. A young college man was walking down to class going to one morning and going to class and he walked by a distribution table and there was a Gideon and handed him a testament. He walked on past going to his class. And when he got to the class, he sat down, he looked at the little testament, he said, this is not something I can use. I'm not supposed to have it. See, he and his family were devout Buddhists. He laid the little testament on the corner of his desk and was going to leave it that day, which he did. Thinking someone was going to clean up that night and it wouldn't be any use for him to have it in the next day. He came back the next morning, the little testament was still laying on his desk, but he said in his testimony, he sat across the room from where, the, where his desk was at. He didn't want to be associated with that little testament. But the whole time as he sat across the room, he said he couldn't take his eyes off that little testament. We know what it was. God had a plan for this young man. The Holy Spirit was doing the work that he does so faithfully. He picked it up when he left to go back to his dorm. And I love it when God brings a plan together. There was some group of young students came together to have a, a Bible study. They invited this young man to come. He said when he tried to read before, he couldn't understand what the Bible meant. But when they started expounding the word, the word just jumped off the page at him. And he accepted Jesus Christ. He finished his courses that he was going to college with. He didn't stop there. He enrolled in a theological seminar where that young man today is preaching the powerful word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what the giving ministry is about. It's about placing Bibles in hotels and motels, passing them out to our schools and colleges to the EMS, to the firemen, doing personal witnessing, going to the jails, to the military. These funds, the pastors, the shepherds, and an offering will be taken at the end, and I'll be standing at the back. 
that offering will go to buy Bibles for the colleges, for the schools, for the military, for the EMS, for the nurses. That's what we use the money for, solely used for different purposes. Like I said, the hotel are furnished by these cards here, and we encourage you to use it. That's a vital part of the Gideon ministry. Who knows who goes into a hotel room or a motel room knowing that there might be an adulterous an affair going to take place, suicide, drug abuse, anything can happen. We don't know what, but one little Bible in a hotel room has the potential over a six-year period of time of reaching 2,300 people. That's good odds. That's good odds. And people are drawn to the, God, the, to the Word of God as their place. And we get so many testimonies just like that. And we thank God. We thank for churches like you that allow us to come in and, and to be a part of the Gideon Ministry, allowing us to speak and to your giving through the offerings and your support. We thank the pastor that he's mentioned and is, and is faithful for the Gideons. Some churches we can't get into for one reason or another, but we are thankful for those that we can. We have a, a goal set for 2020, that's the year 2020, that we're building every church in every county, in every state, in, every, in the United States. That's our goal. And God is opening doors, and more people are coming to know Jesus Christ. Our purpose, and it's not about the Gideon just because we've got the Gideon emblem and the Gideon name on the, on the front of the Bible. It's to lift up Jesus Christ. He is the one. It's all about Him. It's not about us. We're just men, mere men and women, our auxiliary, just like you are. And we would encourage you, if you are touched by a message that the Gideons give and the work that they do, and you would like to be uh, a part of that, if you're a Christian business or professional person, we would love to have you to be a part of our message. God is good. God is coming back. We're to be ready. We've been given the great commission to go and tell. That's our part. Jesus died. He left. He gave us that commission. And we are to go and to do. Be a witness. Be a testimony. And share Jesus Christ with someone this day. Pastor, thank you. Thank Thank you for that. I'm asking to go on back to the back and be prepared as you leave. If you would give today. Uh, who have an open Bible that you can place that gift in. All during the year, those cards are downstairs on the ledge by the church office. If you ever want to take advantage of that. You also have a red card in your bulletin today if you want to take advantage of that way. That was just one of many testimonies. We heard some awesome testimonies Friday night at their banquet. So I would encourage you to give uh, as you leave and know that you're investing in reaching people for Christ. Let's all stand for our closing prayer. And I want to remind you that if you uh, need to get your new devotionals today, they're back there as well. You'll need those this week. Only one more day in the month of February. Thank you. God bless you for being here today. We're going to close in prayer. We love you. And take advantage of this evening and afternoon opportunities as well. Brother Argus Martin, would you close us in prayer today, please?